0: I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com, Monday morning recruiting update, recruiting podcast. As we like to say, we can just squeeze so much more into a 20 minute podcast than we ever could into a 3,000 word article, but uh, we can also speak a little bit more freely on the podcast. I'm Kim Grenolds along with Scott Eklund. It's been a busy couple weeks as we anticipated, Scott, after the regular season. Two busy, busy weekends. Uh, Kyler Gordon, uh, uh, Also, uh, one of the top uh, linebacker recruits in the country committed to Washington. That disaster down in the Las Vegas Bowl from Oregon, they hired a defensive coordinator. Some interesting news down at USC as well. Been a busy weekend, and Scott Eklund's got the crud I had for two weeks, so I'm sure you're happy about that, Scott.
1: Yes, yes, it's fun. I'm playing hurt, but uh, I'm still here. What's up, man?
0: Uh, Also, just a heads up, we'll be on Sports Radio 950 KJR Tuesday night from 630 to 8. I have a lot of updates on the show, but just keep it right here at dogman.com. We'll get all your breaking news and Just a reminder, if you're not on our newsletter, uh, we'll get you those daily updates as well as updates on any breaking news as they happen. Just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. And uh, biggest news out of the uh, weekend, Brandon Cahoe, that's how you you say it's pronounced, is Cahoe, one of the top linebackers in the country, committed to Washington over the weekend. Kind of surprised a little bit, Scott.
1: Um, I think I was surprised just from the standpoint that he was ready to do it on the weekend. We had heard that Washington had really made a surge with him, and he was really thinking about committing to Washington, but we felt like he would come home, think about things, talk it over with his family, and then make the decision, but his family was very pro-Alabama, and I think it just, it surprised them a little bit, but from what I've heard, they were very excited to have their son relatively close, uh, they they um, are excited about his opportunity to play at the University of Washington, and uh, you know, he apparently all week, he had been talking to people that he knew and trusted, and said, um, it's not about the next four years, it's about the next 40 years, and that's kind of the OKG talk, the built for life talk that you get from uh, Chris Peterson. And I think it really resonated with him and Washington needed a, a, thumper like him and they got one. He's, he's one of the best in the country. And when you steal a kid from Alabama and that's what they did because Alabama had him almost locked up and, um, you know, you've done your a your, uh, great job of recruiting a kid, and this kid's going to be able to come in. I don't know if he'll start right away, but he's going to be playing right away for the
0: Huskies. Scott, one of the interesting things that I think people overlook quite a bit, and one of the key to Chris Peterson, getting commitments while people are on visits, getting the families here on campus and going through the Built for Life program. You've been through it. I've been through it. We've seen what it's about. It's impressive. How huge is that to get a recruit's parents on the visit, especially here to Washington?
1: Well, I mean, Chris Peterson won't trip a kid unless he brings his parents.
0: And they have to pay for that on their own dime, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, um, I mean, that's something that I think the NCAA should change. A kid should I think they actually get one visitor paid for. So I think they only have to pay for one, you know, if both parents want to come. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that was a regulation that changed relatively recently. But anyway, that being said, I, I you know, that's a big deal, and Peterson won't won't take a kid unless his parents have been on campus and seen what their kid's going to see and be part of. And I think that's a big point in one of the reasons why so many parents are ready to hand their kids over to Chris Peterson, because he really does care about their future, not just their future in football.
0: And that's an, also an indication, you know, you uh, talked about a recruit that wanted to take a visit, but uh, Pete said, you know, we're only, he's not going to trip guys just a trip. If you're not going to bring your parents or, you're not going to decommit from another school before you take the visit. Pete's not going to trip them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that could be one of the reasons why Abdul Malik McLean um, didn't end up visiting this weekend because he refused to decommit from UCLA. I, I know that uh, um, you know we're, we're still kind of getting the background on that. We had confirmed that he was going to come up as a Thursday night, uh, and then Friday morning we find out he didn't make the trip. So lots of moving parts when you come to these. Uh, visit weekends, the, the weekend or two weekends before uh, signing day. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's a big big deal for Peterson is, hey, how serious are you? Because we're not just going to let you come up here on our dime, enjoy yourself, and then not even have a chance with you.
0: You had a chance to catch up with MJ all There's two MJs in the class. But uh, MJ all even though he'd been up to Washington, he'd sh- he seesaw quite a bit more. And it sure seems like this class that they they're developing – is tight. Tell us a little bit about your conversation with MJ.
1: Well, yeah, MJ's, you know, he, you know, when I talk to some of these kids, especially the local ones that have been to Washington many, many times and seen a lot of the, the things that impress recruits with, you know, the facilities and the stadium and all those different things, these guys have already been there, done that. So Washington really has to uh, focus on those out of state guys for uh, a lot of the facilities things and everything like that. But with uh MJ Alley, he was, he was just effusive on the fact that he just loved hanging out with the other recruits and getting to spend time with them and meeting with them and, and just bonding with them. He said it really felt like a family. So did Dominic Hampton, the cornerback out of Arizona. Those are the two that I talked to yesterday. And both of those guys said that the bond between the player or the prospects, the commits, and uh, the other guys – was just amazing. And they, they wanted to be part of it. And he and MJ Alley told me that's why he thought that Brandon Cahoe made the decision because he wanted to be part of something like that.
0: By the way, love your Barry White voice. It's really cool, Scott.
1: Thanks. I wish it was that way all the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, um. also, you brought up Dominique Camps and um, Dominique is a guy that we know that Jimmy Lake highly, highly covets the scout rankings have him as a three star, but, uh, we kind of get the feeling this guy's going to sneak up on a lot of people, but he's also a kid that when we talked to talked about not signing until February, Scott, you can verify this. A lot of the kids we talked to talked about signing in February cause they didn't understand the new signing period, but sounds like Dominique is in the fold to sign on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. I'm not expecting one player. So there's 18 commits. I'm not expecting one of them not to sign. So I think all of them are going to sign. Dominique was a guy who was talking about signing in February. Like you said, Kim didn't quite understand the process and how it worked and everything like that. Um, he came away from this one and said, oh yeah, I'm signing on on uh, Wednesday. And uh, he and his family couldn't be more excited. They, they love the University of Washington. They love Jimmy Lake. They love Coach Peterson. It's, it's really a win-win for Washington. Imagine – For yourself, uh, two years from now, a starting corner tandem of Keith Taylor, almost 6'4", and 210 pounds, and Dominic Hampton, a little over 6'3", and about 200 pounds. And then on the inside, you have Elijah Molden playing over the slot. That is an absolutely ridiculous starting cornerback slot.
0: And then you have a safety like Brandon McKinney.
1: Yeah, a big safety like him, and you have um, the possibility of either a Julius Irvin, who we'll talk about in a second, or a Tyler Gordon, who we'll talk about in a second. Some guys that still haven't decided and Washington is still kind of waiting on, but, man, that secondary – is going to be ridiculous here in the next couple. It's it's already been ridiculous. It's going to be even more ridiculous in the next few years.
0: This year, uh, Jake Browning, I think part of the problem with Jake is he didn't have any wide receivers that had developed enough. Other than Dante Pettis still uh, paying the price a little bit for um, the recruiting of, God, I can't even remember his name now. Brent Pease. Brent Pease. Brent Pease. But he's got some good guys in the fold with Marquise, um, excuse me, with um the two guys yes. that redshirted with uh, Bynum and Cook and as well as why is my why am I going blank on the uh, guy who plays Alex,
1: Alex Cook, Ty Jones, Terrell Bynum.
0: Yeah. And then also bringing in these three wide receivers as he's bringing in uh, two of them visited this weekend in Austin Osborne and um, Marquis Spiker. And by the way, Bush Hamden had a lot to do with those uh, final two guys.
1: Oh, yeah. Bush Hamden didn't have a lot to do with it, but, yeah, I mean, Marquis Spiker is an absolute freak. He set records down there in the Inland Empire, and I hope people understand that is no small task to be setting records down in that uh, area for uh, touchdown receptions. He had 27 this season, but I think he finished with something like 78 or 79 in his career. That is absolutely ridiculous uh, in a three-year career in high school to have that many touchdown receptions he set reception marks uh for receiving as well as yardage excuse me i'm sorry guys and um i mean he's just a big time guy 6'3 195 pounds he'll be about 205 when he shows up and that kid is an absolute freak
0: 27 touchdown receptions in what 10 11 games
1: uh, 12 games they played into the uh, uh, semi or the yeah the semifinals of the uh, CIF.
0: It's still two two touchdown rec- catches per game, not catches, two touchdown catches.
1: Yes, exactly. It, I mean, he had a huge, huge senior season.
0: Jackson Sermon also in with uh, the linebacker tandem that they've got. You know, the three linebackers they've got pretty strong recruiting class on the linebacker on Scott.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you could say Washington has had a better linebacker recruiting class uh, with the depth they have. I mean, Jackson Sermon is a guy who, had he not ended things so early, he might have been, I don't know if he'd been a four-star guy, but he would have. He might have gotten a lot more offers than he got. MJ Tafisi, he's a big-time hitter um, out of Utah that really kind of skyrocketed up, Recruiting boards and and up in the rankings as the season went along. So Washington's done really well, and then to get Brandon Kyle, man, I mean, you you can't speak, you know, highly enough for what Pete uh, Kwiatkowski. Uh, Bob Gregory and Chris Peterson did in closing out that class.
0: Yeah, really excited to see uh, Jackson Sermon. I, th- you know, he may not have the star power as a Brandon Cahobe, but you know, just his personality, his football uh, knowledge, uh, his football IQ, his lineage, and everything. Why do I get the feeling this ki- this kid screams uh, team captain, team leader down the road?
1: Oh well, I think it's because of the way his whole family has been. You know the the fact that his dad. Was um, a leader on the Oregon teams back in the back in the what mid to late eighties or I'm sorry mid to late nineties. Um, he's you know that that he's just got that high football IQ. The player the other players love him and hang out with him. He's he's a kid who really really screams leadership and off the field. Um, what he does off the field is so special because of his work ethic and things like that. He's a guy who's going to be great in the locker room for you. So, you know, I think Washington is has, is really lucky to have him. And I think he goes underappreciated because he's been committed to the University of Washington for so
0: long. It's funny. Brandon Cahoe, uh, you know, commits. Huge commit for Washington. That joy lasts about five minutes with some of the guys out on the board. And they're already hand ringing over Julius Irvin, Kyler Gordon, and Caleb Tremblay. Which one do you want to talk about first?
1: Uh, let's talk about Caleb Tremblay.
0: Yeah. what's up with uh, Caleb Tremblay? Six five, J C guy could come in and play right away. Six five, two seventy five. Tell us a little bit about Caleb.
1: Yeah, Caleb is a guy that Washington started targeting pretty early in the process because I think they started to realize that Greg Gaines and Vita Vea were likely gone after this season. We'll find out here pretty soon if that's the case or not. But Washington obviously knows where things are going with those two, and and uh, I would expect that um, you're going to see some news from Caleb Tremblay here in the next little bit. He has to sign on Wednesday. Um, He can't go really until February because he wants to enroll in January. So, um, you know, I think Washington's in a good spot, but he made a visit to USC over the weekend. There were some rumors he was going to visit UCLA as well, try and fit in a half-day visit there. Didn't work out, so it sounds like it's UW-USC, and we'll kind of find out where things go from there.
0: Uh, explain to people signing day is Wednesday, but it's not just that day they can sign during the week.
1: Yeah, they can sign on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. And, uh, Friday is the last day. And, uh, they, uh, basically if they don't sign by Friday, they will be recruited all the way through January up until February 7th, which is the first, which is the normal signing day for, uh, high school recruits. And, and so, um, You know, I I expect all of Washington's guys to sign at some point on Wednesday and for us to uh, have the rest of the week, you know, the rest of the year off, uh, at least from the big time recruiting news.
0: Julius Irvin is a guy that uh, Jimmy Lake covets. I mean, doesn't (laughs) want covets.
1: Yeah, you just can't beat the fact that that kid can play corner, he can play safety, he can play uh, nickel, he can do a lot of different things. Um, He's being projected as a safety and or corner swing guy for Washington. I think he's going to be a lot in the same mold as Elijah Molden was when he came in last year. You'll see him on special teams, you'll see him all over the place. He won't probably earn a playing time right away. Um, as far as in the regular secondary rotation, but he'll, he'll work his way in, and I could see him as a true sophomore playing, uh, becoming a starter alongside a guy like Brandon McKinney because we all kind of think next year is Taylor Apps' last season.
0: Yeah. Uh, the guy that uh, people are really just uh, going crazy over, Kyler Gordon, uh, Archbishop Murphy, corner, special player, special kid.
1: Yeah, he is, and um, I mean, the reason people are going crazy is because he's a local guy. Why haven't we been able to walk up a local guy? Well, part of it's just because uh, Notre Dame did a really good job of selling Kyler Gordon on why he should go there, but they also made him question whether Jimmy Lake was going to be there his full career. Um, It's something Washington's going to have to fight against in DB recruiting until Jimmy Lake is either gone or he becomes the head coach of the University of Washington, there's just really no way around it. You're going to have to fight against it. And so, you know, Washington did a good job. They've, they've uh, had Jimmy Lake sign a contract extension. And, um, you know, I, I, I really don't think uh, Washington's in a good spot for him right now. I think that, that uh, Notre Dame is probably the leader right now. I think they were heading into the weekend. And I think he was ready to make his decision last night on his birthday and announced to the world that he was going to become an Irish. But wa- then he goes on his trip to Washington <clears throat> and Washington basically gives him every reason to stay home. And now the kid is completely confused to me. The longer this thing goes, the worse it is for Washington because Washington should have gotten that commitment right away. If he was ready to become a Husky since they didn't, I think he's going to end up as a, uh, Notre
0: Dame Irish. Yeah, and kind of surprising, I thought that, um, you know, with Notre Dame in at the end of the week, there was a chance he could cancel his UW visit. He didn't. I think that got the hopes up of a lot of people that he possibly could commit over the weekend. He didn't. I don't I just get this funny feeling that, you know, he's torn and... I think there's a chance that he could come Wednesday and still not know and not sign with anybody on Wednesday and either sign a day later, a, two days later, or possibly stretch this out. Just kind of a funny feeling about that.
1: If he stretches it out, then that's really bad for Washington. Yeah. If he stretches it out, because the longer it goes, the more time uh, Notre Dame will have to get him on campus and, and, to, and to show him why um, you know he loved them in the first place.
0: Yeah. Uh, anything else on Washington recruiting we need to cover, Scott?
1: At, at this point in time, no. I think those are the last guys we're kind of waiting on. Once we get into um, – oh, One guy. You know, no, one, uh, one more
0: guy. One more guy. Dimitri Stanley.
1: Oh, yeah. Dimitri Stanley. Sorry about that. Demetri Stanley is a cor- corner athlete, wide receiver prospect out of Colorado. He's the number one prospect in Colorado. You look at the kid. He's a raw defensive back prospect, but that's who Washington – Uh, I mean, they targeted him early in the process back. Well, not early, early, but back in um, it was back in November when they offered him. And part of the reason why is because I think they really liked his ball skills. And I think that's where you look at Washington and, and you say you need guys with ball skills. Washington didn't turn over the ball that much on the defensive side of the ball they need more guys with ball skills. And I think that's one of the reasons why Dimitri Stanley, if he doesn't play corner, he'll play safety in Washington scheme. Uh,
0: Notes from down at USC. What's going on down at USC, Scott?
1: Well, down at USC, I mean, USC is trying to fill up their, their class and sign guys. They had a decommitment from a running back who then, and then they replaced that four-star running back with a five-star running back locally. So, I mean, it's just a different world USC plays in. And by the way, it was really funny after Brandon Cahoe Cahoe, committed to the University of Washington, I went over to the Alabama board, you know, probably an hour after it happened. And on our boards, if Washington had lost out on a high end four-star linebacker, people on our boards would be going crazy. And for, for, you know, good reason, you want to get the best players you can. Guess what? Over on the Alabama site, they had one thread with six people chiming in and they said, oh, we'll just move on to the next five-star guy.
0: Yeah,
1: it, It's just a completely different world that some of those teams live in. Washington has to get high-end guys who they can coach up into five stars. Those guys get the five stars and it is absolutely um, sickening to see how easy it is for those guys to just get one after the other. And you, you know what, when I say easy, I mean it's just the program that Nick Saban has put in there and that uh, USC has, it, it's just, it's very easy to recruit to those places. You really have to try not to recruit well at those places.
0: Oregon, horrible. in in the Las Vegas Bowl, um, just look undisciplined, outcoached, it looked like they didn't show up to play. Royce Freeman decides he's not going to play in the game. They traveled him, and he was one firing up the team. And then they paid Jim Levitt $1.7 million to stay as the coordinator uh, why do I get the feeling that um that's just not going to turn out well down at Oregon?
1: No, my my feeling is that Jim Levitt is the coach in waiting. Yeah. <laughs> down there, I mean, nobody nobody that I know that's any even remotely educated on on uh, football and, and the way things go expects expect Mario Cristobal to be there more than a, a year or two and and then he'll probably get run out of town and they'll probably just promote Jim Levitt. and Jim Leavitt is a solid coach I don't know if he's a good head coach that's the problem
0: Well, he and, might, might be a good coach at Kansas State <laughs> where he has uh, uh, he, he can get out of his contract if he gets the head job there
1: yeah well then Kansas State better make a move because I have a feeling Oregon's going to Be ready to make a move on him pretty quick.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, Anything else around the Pac 12 and recruiting, Scott? Uh,
1: Not really. I mean, you know, UCLA is going to close up their class pretty well because, uh, you know, Chip Kelly's still got that name and everything like that. But, you know, Washington's done pretty well. I I don't think they're going to have a shot at at getting Stephen Blaylock. you know, and that was a guy that they were battling UCLA for. They didn't get it, and they didn't end up getting uh, Abdul Malik McLean up on a visit. That was another guy they were battling UCLA for. So, you know, UCLA closed pretty good. Arizona State is a complete dumpster fire. It's, I mean, it that 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 place as bad as Oregon is, Arizona State might be in worse shape. And uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't foresee that experiment going over at all. Down there. So, um, you know, other than that, you know, Arizona's going to have a decent close. Colorado and Utah are going to have decent closes. But Washington, at right now, as of today, has the best class in the Pac 12. Has that ever happened?
0: Uh, I think once or twice in the past 20 years. It's been a while.
1: Uh, if, if it's, you know, would it have been when Rick Newhisle was here? When Rick was here, yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, wasn't – well, that was when USC was a little bit down, though, right? Yeah.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: So there you go. I yeah, mean, when they
0: got Reggie Williams, Charles Frederick, that class.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's – this class is going to wrap up and be a cornerstone class for the for this coaching staff
0: yeah uh we'll be on sports radio 950 kjr tuesday night from 6:30 to 8 we'll keep you up to up to date with everything that's going on media today uh availability up at UW. we'll have coaches players same tomorrow and then uh wednesday um pete will talk about the recruiting class signing day should be pretty busy so just a lot going on in the next few days tell your friends to just subscribe to the site don't give them the information tell them to get out subscribe to dogman.com any any last minute thoughts Scott anything else
1: no not right now uh, just stay tuned it's still we still got two days left and two three guys that still have to decide
0: all right from all of us at dogman.com I'm Kim Reynolds along with Scott Eklund go dogs!